0: Welcome into the Oscar Twenty Four Seven Podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Bruns, Brian Christofferson, gentlemen. How is it going for you as you continue to work from home? Is life harder without your coffee shops, your stops in at Starbucks? Your uh, I don't even know where Bruns works half the time, but uh, I know BC's a big Starbucks guy. Have you, have you guys, adjusted to largely working inside your home?
1: Go ahead, Bruns. You, you field this one first. <laughs>
2: Uh, it, it's, it's okay. I grossly underestimated the amount of coffee that one person can, can drink in a week from home. Um, uh, currently going through the, uh, I don't know what size it is the the Costco size bag. I'm, I'm holding my hands apart about a foot that size bag. I'm going through about one of those a week. I think it's like three pounds. Is that right? Are you the only coffee drinker in
0: your house or has your daughter gotten involved?
2: No, she's not yet. Uh, my wife does a little bit, but i'm I'm doing the bulk of the uh the coffee drinking my, my wife has started shaming me around four o'clock every day when I'm on like my third pot of coffee, and it, she asked how much water I drank and usually the answer is zero so my my kidneys are having the worst go of it out of anything from uh the coronavirus.
1: I can't say my routine's all that different. I've watched a lot of the office though um To simulate having co-workers? Yeah, I think so, a little bit. And it's kind of a happy show. It makes you, you know, the theme song kind of gets you, peps you up a little bit. In fact, Casino Night was just the episode I was on, you know, where uh, Jim uh, professes his love for Pam. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen next, but they left us hanging right as this podcast started.
0: All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll move this along so you can get back to the office and the coworkers you care about.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. The big news from last week, we didn't get to it in the podcast. It was at the end of the week. It was on Friday. Nebraska picked up its fourth commitment in the 2021 class linebacker, Christopher Paul, an absolute bundle of energy, uh, already quickly becoming one of my favorite interviews found out yesterday that, uh, his dog took the news really well when he let her know that he was going to Nebraska uh, as opposed to sticking around close to home. So he was, he was quite happy about that. The dog seemed to be okay with it. Things are good there. So Chris Paul is a a good get for Nebraska. Uh, Again, an inside linebacker, 6'1", 220 pounds, wants to get a little bit heavier. Um, Not sure he's going to grow a whole lot more, but a guy who really provides a punch when he hits has great instincts. I mean, his film is really good. His production at the high school level was really good with 157 tackles and four and a half sacks and all of that stuff. But the thing that I'm kind of most impressed by is it feels like, and and I'll let you guys kind of decide whether this is a valuable thing or not, but it feels like Nebraska picked up a really vocal guy as part of its class and a guy who wants to sort of, you know, go on and be a leader. and He's not the same as Garrett Nelson, but he has a lot of those similar sort of belief in himself and just the, the will that he wants to help turn Nebraska back into what it was when his dad was growing up, when, you know, what Nebraska used to be relative to what Nebraska has been the last couple seasons. So I, I think that's always a good thing. I think it's really good when you have a vocal proponent of your class and, and, not to take anything away from Henry Lutovsky and and Teddy Perloska who have certainly been putting in their effort, but it's always, uh, it's always a little bit different because offensive line is such its own unit uh, relative to, you know, when you get some of these vocal linebackers or some of the guys on the offensive side of the ball that are skill position players, it can really help out. So I, I think that the Christopher, or Christopher Paul get will be big for Nebraska for a variety of reasons. But I think he's certainly going to help them, at least in terms of peer recruiting or just putting Nebraska's name out there in a public relations
2: sense. Mike, I have some questions.
0: Yeah, go for it.
2: So he is an inside linebacker. Yes. Randolph Kapai is currently an inside linebacker, potentially an outside linebacker if he continues to grow. Is that fair to say?
0: Well, I think the thing with Randolph Kapai is I want to see where they end up with some other positions, too. Like I think he's capable that they would be fine with him at both. I think the preference is at inside linebacker. If he continues to grow, which is expected, and he gets to 6'4", and he's 240 and they can play him on the edge, I think they would absolutely do that. But he's got a long way to go to get to
2: that point. So this is a, a commit from Georgia. Um, you know, it, it always feels like whenever there's a, a poll from the state of Georgia um, that there's kind of this trend-type thing that emerges about, you know, is is it a potential pipeline state? All this other stuff. I think it already is. Right. Where, where does Nebraska currently stand in Georgia based on what they've kind of done the last couple of classes? And is Christopher Paul Jr. the kind of guy that can really help them down there? Because, it you know, in some ways they, they you know, Miles Farmer wasn't a particularly – you know, loud guy during the recruiting process. I mean, it just seems like some of the guys that they pulled out of there recently have maybe – yeah, Quentin Newsom have kind of been a little bit more low-key guys.
0: Ronald Tompkins, pretty much all of the guys they pulled out of that class kind of fit that low-key thing. Yeah, I think he can really help them. I mean, the difference with Chris Paul is that he's he's an out-of – you know, out-state kind of guy. Everybody knows the Atlanta area. Nebraska has really made nice inroads, and they've got some other kids – that they're recruiting inside that Atlanta, you know, region. But where he fits in is he is two and a half hours south of that and three hours from Jacksonville. I mean, he's in a, just a different part of the state. And there's still a lot of talent down there. I mean, you got guys like um, Baron Hobson and and Chauncey Magwood, two guys from Lee County that are already talking about taking a visit up to Nebraska. You have guys from northern Florida that know Christopher Paul that are talking about taking a visit. Uh, So I I just think that it's helpful um, to have a guy in that region who can just drum up sort of attention and excitement uh, just because he's kind of an infectious personality. And so I I think that's a really good thing. But I just think it's also good for Nebraska that they can recruit beyond just Atlanta, that they're now sort of able to go into that rural area. They're going to have some more visits from there. They're going to have more visits from Atlanta as well. And they're just going to continue to bring in kids from the state of Georgia it's clearly one of their favorite states to recruit in terms of where their connections line up and and the talent that's in that state and uh we'll see kind of what plays out of it but I expect they'll get another kid or two from the state of Georgia beyond Christopher Paul so he's down in like pecan country yeah he is definitely in pecan country that's a great way to put it
2: all right uh, you know, where there's the billboards every three miles or so yep Sorry, Brian, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just had to get uh, that little plug for pecan country in there.
1: It oh, was a good From
2: plug. pecan to pecan. Sorry, Brian, I cut you off.
1: Yeah, everybody's cutting me off to talk about pecans or pecans. We're not used to being able to see. <laughs> Can the people see us? I don't know that because we're touching our face way too much. I'm no, noticing. I was just thinking
2: that. I was just like sitting there going like with the hands up so I don't touch my face.
1: Every one of us is guilty of this. I keep seeing us touch our face. This is, this yeah. is why we have to hold each other to this is Canada. why we can't but, be
0: anywhere but our house.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, it, it looked like in reading the stuff that, and you got some good stuff from Christopher Paul, it seemed like one of the big deals to him was that the coaches, I mean, I know coaches can find guys anywhere now, but he was outside of that Atlanta region, and he had that quote about how it was a big deal to him that Nebraska tracked him down where he was at and gave him the attention despite not being necessary necessarily in this hotbed area uh, where there's a a you know a ton of prospects so I think that shows you Nebraska's hitting all of that area of Georgia really well and again Sean Becton's name pops up down there amid the he was involved correct with that Um, and I I can just it's just such an advantage that you've got a couple coaches who have such ties to that state because I do think that is a uh, underappreciated recruiting state. Sometimes when when we talk about the big dogs like Florida and Texas, Georgia uh, just has so much going on there. So I'm I'm glad that they are are utilizing that uh, that pipeline.
0: I'm I'm pulling up the numbers right now, but I'm pretty sure if you were to look through offers in the 2021 class, Georgia is the fourth state. Yeah. Um, of uh what they've offered and it's just behind California where they have thirty two. They have thirty-one offers in twenty twenty one in the state of Georgia, Texas at forty-four, Florida at fifty-three. Those are our numbers we got on the twenty four-seven site if you were to go to the Nebraska football offers. But I I mean the next closest state behind that is Illinois at fourteen, which is actually fairly high for Illinois, or at least as I seem to remember in terms of what we've seen Nebraska recruit that state. And so Uh, We can get into the numbers a little bit more on this, but I I think that, again, I I mentioned, I expect they're going to get some other kids from Georgia. I I wish I could tell you exactly who. We'll see Chauncey Magwood's really interesting, given Nebraska's need for wide receivers. He's a heavier recruited guy than what his ranking is at. He's listed as a three-star wide receiver, but he's got a bunch of the SEC and the ACC charging after him. So we'll kind of see you know, what goes there. And then I'm just kind of looking through the the state of Georgia right now in terms of offers. Somebody on our message board mentioned Miles Campbell. Uh, I haven't talked to him, um, but he has mentioned Nebraska and some stories written in our network uh, as a school that he's interested in. Bryson Estes is a kid out of Eagles Landing. Um, if you remember, Nebraska really wanted the wide receiver Justin Robinson out of Eagles Landing and they got Marquise Black from Eagles Landing. Bryson Estes told me that he was looking at a Nebraska visit in the spring as well at one point. We'll see uh, if he's able to come up in the summer, if he's still kind of part of things. He would be an interior guy. He's listed as a center, 6'3", 278. So we'll see kind of where things line up for him. But um, there's a lot of linebackers in the state of Georgia. I just think we're going to see, you know, Martez Thrower. We're going to see some of these names pop up uh, for visits when they get that that opportunity. Has he gotten into where his nickname came from? Uh, No. You know, every time I've given him the opportunity to be addressed as Pooh Paul, he just says just to go back with Chris. So I haven't quite figured out what it is or or why it exists, but that's something that I can uh, work towards because I'm sure I'll be talking with Christopher Paul a fair amount of time. One other thing I kind of want to mention, he is still very, very much set for that June 12th official visit Um, he's expecting there's going to be a good number of guys, a mixture of people that have already seen Nebraska and then guys like Chauncey Magwood or Baron Hobson that have yet to visit Nebraska, uh, that might be interested in, in making that their official visit weekend. And so, um, you know, from talking to Jalen Noel and, and AJ Rollins as well, Colin Oliver, June 12th could be a very, very big visit weekend for Nebraska.
1: It sounds like uh, – you wrote about Jalen Noel the other day on our site, and uh, there was a quote in there where he said that uh, he's hearing from the Huskers like every day. Um, it, it, it really sounds like even though this is such a weird time, Nebraska recruiting has gone full force from – is that what you're getting with the kids you yeah. talk to, Schaefer?
0: Um, yeah, they're they're not – like treating this like any sort of vacation uh they're definitely and here's the thing that makes it really important that they're active on this these kids don't have school they have nothing going on and so if you're not active you can bet whatever amount of money i was gonna say a word there that got me in trouble i think the last time i used it on this podcast so i i'm gonna clean it up a little bit but you can bet any amount of money that pj flex staff and that Um, Ohio State staff and all these other staffs are going to be as active as possible because these guys just don't have anywhere to go. They're at home. They're on their phones. They're on their computers. You can get to them, uh, you know, using Zoom or Skype or FaceTime or whatever, and you can visually see them. You can have a coach simply walk through his weight room in a conversation with a player and voila, he saw the weight room. You know, it's just, it's little things like that And I would love to get into more of a conversation with Nebraska as to what they're doing digitally. That's different than what they were doing before. But I know from some brief conversations I've had, they're definitely trying to uh, think outside the box and come up with ideas, but also just streamline communication. There's as, as important as it is to, to provide the video component or to do things different, it's still not more important than just having the simple conversation and building relationships. And one thing, My radio show, I had Chris Paul on yesterday, and he said this The thing that impressed him about Nebraska is that when they would call to talk to his mom, they wouldn't talk to his mom in such a way that they were trying to get to Chris. They actually just talked to his mom. They didn't ask about Chris. They asked how her day was going, they asked how her job was, they asked, you know, what was going on in her life and and things that were important to her beyond her son. And he thought that that was really smart of him and really valuable because she didn't come out on the visit when when his dad and he came out to Nebraska. She hasn't met this staff, but she's now had the opportunity to FaceTime with Coach Becton and to FaceTime with Coach Rude and talk to Scott Frost and have conversations of their own interests that have nothing to do with whether her son was going to go to Nebraska or not. He thought that was really important. We've heard before, and I know Brian knows this because I think he was part of the interview, but one of the things that Ryan Held has done incredibly well is he makes – and build strong relationships with parents and with family members that supersede the recruit. Like he he just, he's very, very good at building these quick relationships with mom and dad or grandpa and grandma or aunt and uncle or cousins or whoever, and just sort of inserts himself as a member of the family. Travis Fisher does that really well. I mean, these are the kind of things that we don't probably highlight enough in recruiting, but have really important, effect on how a kid thinks about a program and how his family thinks about a program and the excitement level of getting a call from program A versus program B, a lot of it has to do with how the family
1: feels about it. And I I think that, you know, he explained that really well yesterday. It feels like that even doubles or triples now too in a time like this, where where it's so uncertain. And if you're a parent of a prospect you know you're hoping this this thing clears up and we don't deal with stuff like this again, but you you want to feel like that is a family or that is a home away from home where you really they're really in it for your kid like like they're their parent, and so uh what you're everything you're saying, I'm thinking about quadruple that with the current time we're in, and uh that's how important it is
0: yeah, absolutely all right, we're gonna take a quick break when we come back. we'll get into numbers a little bit about. Linebackers specifically, I have some thoughts on that, and I want to get thoughts from Brian and Bruntz as to what Nebraska might be doing in the twenty twenty one class with linebackers. And then also, we got some hoops talk. Nebraska basketball continues to uh, to knock on the door of every transfer in the transfer portal. I don't know. We'll let uh, we'll let Bruntz run down some of those guys that are names worth knowing here in a little bit. So join us on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It only
2: takes two minutes minutes—a sheer horror.
0: A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows.
2: Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up.
0: Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. And we are back. All right. So I mentioned I wanted to talk about linebacker numbers. How do you guys feel about the Huskers potentially taking five linebackers in this upcoming 2021 class? It would be the biggest, I think, of any position group. But it could be kind of interesting where you have a mix and match of you either have three outside linebackers and two inside linebackers two outside, three inside, or more likely you have two, two, and then someone like Randolph Kapai that could be the three either way. Do you guys think I'm on the right track with that, given what Nebraska has graduation-wise coming up out of each of those spots?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it seems it seems appropriate to me. Um, you know, you look at the, the way that that depth chart is, especially inside, you, you're losing Colin Miller – uh, after this year uh will honus also uh leaving after this year so that's you know two guys that have played a lot of snaps for you uh you feel like you probably picked up essentially a scholarship guy who wasn't initially in luke reimer um you know where does jackson Hanna fit in uh nick henrick has his uh injury uh history i guess that, that maybe gives you a little bit of pause there so I think you got to do something to to kind of replenish the the ranks there a little bit. And, you know, they've tried to do that a little bit in, in the last couple of classes, but, you know, I, I think you'd be smart to add more depth there, especially, you know, if Barrett rude wants to get six guys into a rotation, uh, you know, that they, they kind of been playing with three the last couple of years, he, you know, at minimum would like four. So, I think you have to kind of make this a little bit of a bigger class and in some ways kind of approach it a little bit like um, like Greg Austin did with kind of reshaping that offensive line group a little bit, bringing guys in and, and bringing them along as a group. Now that you have Mike Dawson at outside linebacker coach too, I mean, I, I think you have to give him a chance to recruit and, and find his guys a little bit too. So five seems pretty. Appropriate to me, if, if you're going to take a full class, I mean, why the heck not? I mean, that that's the the position to me that's aside from wide receiver that's most glaring and, and
1: lacking depth is, is are both of those linebacker spots. So I think you have to. Yeah. What what are your proven commodities there? You could even include the seniors in that group, like Doman, Honus, and Miller, but they they'll be gone once this class comes in, and then it's just open for anybody. So I say build up your numbers and. It's sort of like in the NFL draft when it, when a when a team has like a lot of picks, and so you have more you have more guys to go off of and more opportunities to have hits, you know. So I I say uh, that's definitely a position where I would stockpile numbers. One for the position groups themselves, but secondly, that's a very common spot for guys who play special teams. And if you're serious about ramping up your special teams play. Um, those are the type of guys <clears throat> with that build – sorry, I get emotional talking about it. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you, those guys who are in that 215-pound range, those are your dudes you want running down covering kicks and stuff. Those are – that's perfect football size for that type of thing. So that's, that's why it makes sense to me too.
0: Yeah, I, I think you made a really sort of underrated point that uh, Nebraska's lack of linebacker depth partly because of guys that they've more or less chased off, I guess, if you will, was the maybe unfriendly term for it, or asked to reconsider their options would be the more friendly term for it. Left them with a real void of, of players to fill that gap. And then you kind of had everything they tried to do last year with the red shirts. Um, Yeah. I I think you're, you're definitely onto something um, in terms of what that could mean for special teams. So, I, like I said, I, I envision five linebackers. I don't know if it could get to six, but I'm still trying to figure out where their numbers are going to come at for that 2021 class. And there's, there could still be a bunch of movement in terms of, uh, of attrition still. So we don't know exactly where Nebraska's roster is going to end up, which will dictate what their 2021 numbers and, and all of that can be. All right, Bruns, what, What have you kind of been following a little bit with Nebraska basketball's efforts on the recruiting trail, mostly through the transfer portal?
2: Uh, They've been active, Uh, know that much. Um, It's, see, do I want to recap some names? I mean, the latest one, Alan Griffin, who was at uh, Illinois um, for shooting guard there, 6'5, 180 pounds. He's the latest uh, offer there, former member of the class of 2018. Um, you know, that this is kind of the, the norm for Nebraska, I think, where they're still looking for guard depth. They're looking for wings. And based on what's kind of happened, you know, the last few days with, you know, move guys potentially moving on or whatever, we haven't really, we haven't podcasted. I don't think since Deshaun Burke, uh, formally announced that he is, uh, going to enter the transfer portal or is in the transfer portal now looking to move on. So, uh, You know, Nebraska has some spots to fill, and I know that everybody wants post-depth, and I think that that's still a possibility with Adama Sinogo, the 2021 kid uh, who's likely going to reclassify to 2020. But, uh, you know, Nebraska and, and, excuse me, more so Fred Hoiberg and Matt Adlonassi have had good luck with the transfer portal in the past. They like guys that are sit out transfers, too, if they can find a couple of those guys to kind of go through that process together they would prefer to do that. So, you know, it's, it makes sense to me. I think also the the transfer portal with what's going on now was interesting because you, you have so many guys in there now. I, I don't think it's, you know, nearly as hot and heavy as it would have been normally, but you know, the, it's guys that, you know, are, are able to look at a place like Nebraska, see opportunities, see uh, the ability to, Uh, get on the court and play for an NBA former NBA head coach I I think it makes a lot of sense to do that so you know we'll see how that shakes out but um, you know without without being able to do official visits a lot of it is just kind of checking in with these guys staying on them and uh, you know trying to see what you can do over the phone.
0: What do you think about Carter Witt not reclassifying to to 2021 do you think that's something maybe Nebraska even asked him to hold off on or something like that? Or do you anticipate he will be as big of a target in the next cycle? What kind of change does that have for Nebraska? Because they really, really like that kid when they were looking for a point guard.
2: Yeah, I mean, that he's a – you know, I don't think it was a surprise to anybody that he was going to reclassify the longer – or not reclassify, the longer that kind of dragged on. It seemed like, you know, he was likely going to stick with the 2021 class. He's going to have tons of options. I mean, it, it wasn't just the the reclassification that was kind of driving that. Uh, he's a top 100 talent, uh, a great scorer, great distributor. Uh, what's interesting is he's already taken four official visits. So Nebraska is firmly in the mix with, you know, Indiana, Virginia Tech. I think Boston College was his other official visit. Uh, Penn State was involved, too. So uh, when he kind of resets his recruitment a little bit, we'll see how that affects what his options are. But, you know, Nebraska absolutely would have taken him uh, right now uh, if he wanted to reclassify to 2020, but he decided to hold off. So, you know, for Nebraska, what does that mean going forward? I mean, maybe, you know, you you get by with uh, Kobe Webster running the point for you a little bit, a little bit of Delano Banton at, at times. Uh you know, Cam Mack's situation, uh, you know, he basically has three options. You either come back to Nebraska, pull your name out of the draft, you stay in the draft, or uh, you know, you, you you transfer uh somewhere else. And, you know, I I don't know which way I would probably lean at this point. I I if I were handicapping, it would say him coming back is probably the less likely of all of those three options. So Nebraska's is going to have to find somebody that, if they can't completely uh, take the point, as kind of a just in case backup to Cam Mack, you know, maybe find somebody that can steal some minutes there for you uh, as a, you know, a, a shooting guard or somebody like kind of what what Deshaun Burke was a little bit for him, where he was running the point at times and Cam Mack wasn't in the game.
0: Do you, if you had the ability? that any of these guys Nebraska was chasing, you could say, all right, they're going to get this guy. Who do you think that would be? Like who do you think could have would be number one on the board sort of thing? Would it be the, uh, the Virginia tech kid because you have multiple years of eligibility. Is it the Quinnipiac, um, Kevin, what Marford, something like that. Um, uh, the, the guy who's a forward, What? how would you do it given their
2: current roster assembly? Well, I mean, I think finding somebody with some size uh, is important. Um, you know, I think, you know, one guy that they've offered um, since he's been in the portal, uh, Trey McGowan's who's a guard from Pitt, uh, played a couple of years there. I think he's probably you know more along the lines of the, the sit out kind of transfer that they'd like to have. Um, you know, maybe would would allow them to get through this year with uh, somebody like Webster or somebody else running the point, uh, and then he's got two years coming back uh, wherever he goes. That to me makes more sense. I mean, I think post wise, you know, the Sinogo to me is the most likely option for what they have out there. Um, because if you kind of look at Nebraska's roster right now, I mean, they aren't really lacking too much for, for depth in the, in the post. I mean, you have Derek Walker, you have Ivan, Kevin Cross still, you know, is planning on coming back. So, um, you know, that they've got, they've got bodies there. Um, but, you know, I, I think if you can find a, you know, a grad transfer type guy or a really talented guard that you can kind of sit out, I, I think that helps you a lot more. Uh, as somebody that you can kind of bring along uh, uh, at the
1: point guard spot.
0: All right. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate – Brian, you have any thoughts? We just kind of ignored you the last 10 minutes. That was
1: all right. I was just – I was being educated, so that was fine. I, I it was, Sometimes it's good to just sit in silence and listen.
0: <laughs> Such zen that just comes from <laughs> – I
2: mean, it's just – You're the uh, there
0: you go. wise old sage of this group,
2: you know. One other thing with Husker Hoops. Um, wow, oh, Brunt says more. You got you've got <laughs> the the reunion coming um, between Nebraska and Kansas State. Three oh, yeah. three year series. Uh, first year coming up this year uh, or next season, rather, uh, at the Sprint Center in Kansas City, um, and then you have uh, the matchup uh, in Lincoln the following year, and then at K State the year after that. So does it Does that kind of get you guys a little excited get get the get a little bit of purple in there that's not not northwestern? How do you feel about it? I like it,
0: but I also really like the sprint center it um you know one of my favorite things I got to cover as a student reporter was going to the big twelve basketball tournament. It was unlike any event I had covered at that point in time because when you're a student reporter like that, you're not used to just being able to sit court size or you're just sitting in there in the workroom, and there's Andy Katz. Like, it was just a really unique experience for me. Not that Andy Katz is that big of a deal, but I just remember being like, whoa, this is weird. Because, uh, you know, you cover Nebraska basketball when they go 2-14 and 14 in the regular season, conference-wise, Andy Katz ain't coming to Lincoln to do a game. So it was uh, it was a good experience. Nebraska knocked off. I want to say they beat either Texas A&M or I think they beat Missouri in the first round, and then they lost to Texas A&M in the second round. Uh, but it was a, it was a fun experience. It's a great environment. I enjoyed going to the sprint center a couple weekends ago or a couple years ago uh, when Nebraska played down there in that tournament. I think that place will do well. I think there'll be a lot of fans at, uh, at this particular matchup. And, and I love the, the added on home and home. I, this is a really cool way to do a series. And I think, you know, if they can do this with Iowa state, that would be, especially with Hoiberg, that'd be
2: fantastic. You think Iowa State would even touch that? I wondered that, too. Like, I was like, yeah, you know, former Big 12 foes that make a lot of sense. I mean, Iowa State makes sense. But I, I would – I think Iowa State would want to maybe steer clear of that one.
0: I think Missouri. I think um, Oklahoma State, they've already done. Oklahoma. You know, any of those big eight schools just keep knocking them off. I don't know if Colorado-Nebraska basketball moves the needle much, but um, Colorado is a good team. Like, that's a good opportunity for Nebraska. You're right with Iowa State. They may hold off on uh, bringing bringing the mayor back to the, the house that he played in, but it would be a great narrative. It would be a fun story, especially if Nebraska is actually winning games at that point. Don't you think
1: all those games should be scheduled for a Saturday afternoon played at, like, either 1240 or 310 p.m.? On... Give me,
2: yeah, with the Phillips 66 pregame yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, Studio
1: 66 with Doug Bell. <laughs> we about 15 Dave, Whataburger commercials every hour. Dave Armstrong on the call going, wow, when guys make plays. I would love a Nebraska-Colorado game that started at, like, 310. That was always when Nebraska – whenever Colorado played, they were always the late Saturday game. Mm -hmm. on the Raycom double dip. So that was always fun. I I
2: would take, I would take a home and home with Oklahoma state. I know they played up in in South Dakota, but I I wouldn't mind a a trip down to Gallagher Iba for old time's sake.
1: Has Oklahoma state changed their camera angle yet? Remember they always had that funny angle where you're like, it felt like you're in the crowd somewhere in the middle of it. And you,
2: no, I think it's the same. I think you're you're still positioned in a very awkward. It's like watching you're looking down on it a little bit, right? Like any, it's like anytime somebody plays football at Purdue, it's a little jarring.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right.
0: Well, let's uh, let's close this thing out. Be sure to check out Husker twenty four seven. We still got plenty of content up on the website. Should be another podcast coming later this week as well. We're going to get into uh, Eric Shenander a little bit and what he had to say a few weeks ago when we had a chance to talk with the coaches and and where that leaves Nebraska's defense, which has gone from really bad to pretty bad to okay. Were they okay last year? That's a discussion we'll have on the next podcast. You can catch that more with Husker 24 seven.